Hello and welcome to the Radio Debrief podcast where we run down the big stories making the headlines. I'm your host Thomas McCann and I'm joined this week by Cameron Wanstall. Hello. And Jessica Mathewson. Hi. So guys, I hope you've enjoyed your, how long has it been? Five week break? Five years. That's what it feels like. Feels like (laughs) it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, What have we done? Nothing. No. (laughs) Absolutely nothing. (laughs) But, um... January 2021 has spoiled us for news stories and I've got a few to bring you this week so let's just get right into it and we'll go with the first story this week. Joe Biden was officially sworn in as the 46th president of the United States on Wednesday morning and he's the oldest president in the nation's history. Kamala Harris also made history by becoming the first woman and the first woman of colour to hold the office of vice president and the ceremony attracted around 40 million viewers on cable news channels does that include anyone here i know i watched it yep i absolutely. watched it yep yeah um so what were your favorite moments of the inauguration jess you can go first well mine was definitely lady gaga <laughs> coming out dressed like she was ready for the hunger games um but i actually thought she was a great pick because i think she's just got so uh, much elegance and she was so courteous to like the politicians um, so she was great. I also loved Amanda Gorman, the the poet. Did you did you yeah, really like her? Yeah, yeah, twenty two yeah, years old. Um, I thought she was a great pick, especially with Kamala Harris being the first woman of color. Yeah. I thought that was very fitting. Um, yeah, and then obviously it was it was quite refreshing to have two people that um, I feel like are quite popular. It it was a good day, do you know. Yeah. Cameron, what about you? Did you enjoy um, J-Lo? J-Lo's brilliant. <laughs> I thought Lady Gaga as well was exceptional. Um, Garth Brooks, we kind of half mentioned before we came on, who yeah. was just all round good laugh. I uh, thought he was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> just bumbling about and trying to get people to sing. But no, I, I don't know, Bernie and his mittens, I felt that I was, was a big, say, that was a flashpoint. Based yeah. on the stuff Still I've seen on social media, that's it wouldn't be right if we didn't mention him. Exactly. Here. Sure, that's, that's yeah. the first major meme of 2021, so that's yeah. got to be mentioned. Yeah. Uh, who doesn't love him? Did so. you see... Um, the person who made the mittens has a Twitter account and it's absolutely blown up and she's now like completely booked for orders because people keep requesting the Bernie Sanders mittens. That's brilliant. That's a feel good story to come out of it. Yeah. But he did just sit there as if, you know, he had a to do list and, and that was one of the things he was taking off. My yeah. favourite someone said he looked like he's like his grandkids football game. And he was just sitting watching the sidelines yeah. of a deck chair. I thought that was oh, the perfect nice. analogy. <laughs> yeah, and he was wearing um, he was wearing the same jacket that he wore in the original Bernie Sanders meme, the one where he <laughs> made his video saying, you know, and people made it like I am once again asking oh, for yeah. your money. It was the oh, same jacket. Same jacket. Yeah. Wow. Iconic. Guy. Went full Get circle. that in a museum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and obviously one of the. The key points of the inauguration was Biden's speech where he spoke about unifying the country. Um, It went on for quite a long time. I did watch the full speech, but um, do you think that his message of unity is realistic, given how divisive US politics has been? Um. I think I think a lot of people are taking it wrong. People are assuming that he's trying to unite a hundred percent of Americans. That's never going to happen, obviously, for so mm. many reasons. But he's definitely the best person to 
try and unite the country as best he can is to try and bring a better America, try and get the legislator through that will actually make change, that will actually get voted through, whether there's a Democratic majority or not. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really torn country just now, and I feel like he was definitely the best person um, to be voted in. He was the only person that was going to beat Trump, let's be honest. And um, yeah. yeah, I think he's the best person for the job, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, he's also made a lot of... Um, he's already signed a lot of orders mm. within... I think it was within 24 hours he'd signed 17 executive orders. Yeah. Yeah. And something that was a massive sigh of relief for me personally was um, the environmental policies he was getting through. Because when I when I was doing research about um, Joe Biden, I focused on his environmental policies. And there was, you know a few scientists who were saying that the planet might not survive a Trump re-election because of the amount of damage the US was continuing to do. Um, They're the second biggest emitter of greenhouse gases and the fact that he's already signed them back up to the Paris Agreement was, it was a big sigh of relief for me. Yeah, I agree. I think also um, in his speech, he addressed climate the climate crisis, sorry, um, which was just quite refreshing to see a, a president, you know, believe in it. Um, he addressed systemic racism. He addressed the um, the lives lost through COVID. It was just quite nice to have a president that, um, you know, believed in all of these and and, and you, as you said, will go forward and and make a change. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know what another four years of President Trump would have brought on the country given his track record on environmental policies and well basically how he treated his position of power because he he ran an an almost dictatorship. Yeah, I think um looking at a lot of what Biden did straight away was just reversing what Trump did. Um which like um for example the 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 border wall or um, LGBT, the ban of LGBT people in the, the military, or sorry, transgender people in the military, just simply reversing all these things that were such big stories when Trump did it. Like it's crazy that um, that Biden just did that straight away, and, and we're already moving forward. Yeah, he's definitely um, tackling a lot of the high-profile issues that came up under the Trump campaign because uh, I read a story on CNN. And apparently he's currently working on a task force whose job it will be to get the children who were um, taken by ICE at the border to get them reunited with their families because there's still a large number of children haven't been reunited with their families and he's been reversing the travel ban on predominantly Muslim countries as well. Uh, Yeah, I think it's amazing how much Biden's already had to overturn. Like, I think you said it was 17 executive orders he's yeah. put in already, which I believe is more than double of what Obama or Clinton or Bush, the most recent presidents, had done in the first two weeks. And I think that shows just that our mess Trump's left behind. And now, at least Biden's administrations came in, completely wiped that out, and now they can just get on with their own agenda and put in laws that they want to put in. And really just leave the utter chaos of the last four years behind. Yeah. Well, yeah. something something that I've seen that I think putting a lot of people on edge is the most recent speeches Trump's given, he's, talk, he's 
spoke about how this isn't the end of his political career and that or that it's only the beginning in fact and there's a lot of talk of Trump making his own party and if something like that happened do you think based on his massive following he would be able to rival the Democrats and Republicans in a in a future presidential race that is a terrifying prospect um, yeah, it really is. I'd like to assume that that he couldn't, but I think um, looking at the Capitol riots and just the the mass following that he has, I don't know. I don't want to think it's a possibility, but he has the means and he has the 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 fans, shall we call them? Yeah. Well, the the Biden administration are certainly trying to convey to the public that they are the administration that will deliver on their promises. I think that's what Biden had said when he first entered the Oval Office and he was speaking to journalists while he was signing the orders. He said that it was time to start delivering on the promises that he'd made. And obviously the fact that he signed 17 executive orders in the first day shows that he's got a lot on his plate to handle and there was, um, again, I'm going by CNN here, they were saying that he's got a, a calendar laid out of what problem he's going to deal with each day. So, you know, one day it'll be COVID, then the environment, then immigration, you know, so on and so forth. Yeah. yeah. Well, at least he's trying to deal with all of it, I suppose, but that can also backfire if you're not paying too much attention to one thing and not the other, but... I, I guess that's it's not his fault that he's got so much on his plate right now. Yeah. One of my favourite moments um, from this whole uh, his inauguration was when he gave a speech to the White House workers. I don't know if you saw this. Um, mm. He basically just said that if there's any, if he sees anyone speaking badly to someone else or any kind of um, rude behaviour, he will fire them on the spot. Um, and he's trying to restore decency in the White House. And like, I just think that's such a humane and um, aside from politics, a great person to work for. Um, I, I don't know, like unifying the White House and then going on to unify America, I think that he is, you know, the person to, to try it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Because yeah. he certainly got win. a lot to do to restore the image of the White House and mm-hmm. the position of president because I don't think I'd say this, but it's quite refreshing to see a proper politician in yeah. in the White House because Agreed. it was kind of, it was kind of terrifying how Trump would just say whatever he thought and he could it, it was like he could get away with anything I mean well he kind of has he's been mm. he's been impeached twice he's been impeached more than any president and there's still the possibility that he could run again which is again quite a terrifying thought yeah definitely. Yeah, it's, that's the thing you say, it was about, he spoke his mind too much, like, it's nice that, it was refreshing to have a, a politician that was honest, but the problem with Trump is that all his honesty was based on lies, so yeah. it was the complete opposite of what you need, and yeah, like you both have said, like that's a brilliant thing that Biden's doing in the White House, because I think, imagine being in Trump's White House, just imagine the chaos that must have been behind those doors, yeah. like, imagine the books that will be written, my god, but um, yeah. yeah, onward to better things, hopefully. Yeah, and uh, Biden's cabinet as well that he's chosen it's a very diverse i think it's the most diverse 
cabinet in US history. So he's yeah. you know he's going to be getting a lot of different viewpoints and opinions, which I think is really good because the Trump administration didn't very accurately reflect the diversity of America. But I feel that the Biden administration could probably do more in being able to come up with legislation that's that's good for everybody. Yeah. So the Biden administration, that's definitely an ongoing story to keep your eye on. But for now, we're going to move on to our second story of the week. The First Minister, Nicola Sturgeon, has announced more funding to tackle the large number of drug-related deaths in Scotland. A total of £250 million has been committed to fighting this problem, which the First Minister labelled a national disgrace. The funding will be used to offer faster access to treatment and rehabilitation. So do you guys think that um, drug treatment and rehabilitation is a better approach than, you know, locking people up? Um, definitely, absolutely. Um, I think that residential rehabilitation is the way to go with this um, and also to improve the, the drug stigma, which uh, Nicola Sturgeon actually did bring up. Um, the, the stigma needs to be tackled and I think that the, the residential rehabilitation will help with that. Yeah, because Scotland in particular has a big problem with drug-related deaths. You know, we have the highest death rate in Europe. More than 1,200 people died in, in 2019. And something that's been talked about a lot is the use of safe consumption rooms. And Nicholas Sturgeon spoke about that a little bit, saying that they're working on trying to make that a possibility. But I, th- I think that's a power that's still held by the UK government. So I'm not sure if the SNP are able to just pass that on their own. But again, safe consumption rooms, do you, do you guys think that's the way forward? Um, I certainly think it's it's worth a shot because whatever they're doing just now isn't working. I think that's the whole point. Like she said, it's a national distress, um, and others are rightly sort of lampounding the SNP for that. It's it is one. I think it is the worst death rate I think in Europe for drug related um deaths. And I think it's three times as much as the UK as a whole. That's what I saw yesterday anyway. And I just think why not try other things, if possible? Like you say, if, if it's something that we can't put push through as Scotland and the UK government needs to um, accept it as well, then that's another battle to fight. But, yeah, why not try it? What's the harm? You know, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, find something else to spend £250 million on. Yeah. So I actually wrote an article on this issue a couple of months ago and I wrote to a member of Scottish Parliament for the SNP and I'm not going to name names, but... I asked them why the government doesn't do more given the evidence that's been presented and the fact that this is such a huge problem in Scotland. And what they told me was that they didn't have the power to fix it, essentially. Which, I'm not going to lie, I didn't fully believe. They, They said that it was still a matter that was withheld by the British government. And when it comes to the issue of safe consumption rooms, I think that is the case. But there's nothing that would have stopped the SNP from putting more funding into this crisis sooner. And is that something that you think they should have done? That this is a problem that should have been dealt with much longer ago? Yeah, Um, definitely. 
Um, yeah. I certainly think why not? Why wasn't it dealt with? It's always been a problem. This isn't a new thing. Like Scotland's been known for having a drug problem, and it's not going to go away without them dealing with it. So it is. It's a bit worrying that it's taken more statistics to come out for them to be like pressed by every other party and every other sort of outlet in the country for them to actually do anything about it and it just reeks of sort of they're going to try and fix this problem and when they do they'll look like the good guys and that is that yeah. doesn't sit right with me but sorry you go ahead as well Jess. Um, yeah I think it might be too little too late um, I also think that a pandemic is not going to help um, with a drug problem because it's so easy right now to feel disengaged from society and it's proven that when when you feel that way an easy escape would be alcohol or drugs um, and so I, I don't know if maybe this will worsen because of the pandemic um, I really hope not but yeah I'm not sure I also don't understand um, the blaming the British government and correct me if I'm wrong but it, would this not cover like a health issue and, and health is a devolved power yeah, yeah so the SNP so have sure a large that. control over NHS Scotland and they're they're still they're still maintaining that safe consumption rooms isn't something that they have the authority to do. Yeah. But again that that is a cop out they've used before. Yeah. It um, seems like they're just using that as an excuse when there was other options they could have explored through yeah. other means and they just haven't done so. Because I I read the statement by Nicholas Sturgeon and it was that sort of typical politician thing of you know you say what you've done wrong but now that you're fixing it everybody's supposed to think that's okay yeah because she was saying you know every one of these people who's died has been failed by the scottish government and that it's unacceptable it's gone on for so long and you're just kind of sitting there thinking <laughs> well yeah everything you're saying is true but mm-hmm. putting in more money now is definitely the right thing to do but it's not gonna fix the fact that you should have dealt with this problem sooner and yeah. especially pre-covid pre-covid there was no no reason why that they wouldn't have dealt with it sooner yeah exactly you can use covid as an excuse fair enough but like like i just said I mean, I got, this this has been going on for so so long and this party's been in charge for so so long so they have no excuse for not dealing with it sooner yeah and um, the number of <clears throat> sorry people of dying has doubled since sturgeon became the first minister i saw so yeah. you're right it's, it's a, a long-going thing yeah, Sturgeon's um, public approval is s- sort of been worsening over the last few months, especially. Yeah. Well, there's well there was this I- issue to start with. There was also the issue of the salmon inquiry, yeah. Which yeah. she's you know, it's it's kind of you know he he's saying one thing, she's saying the other. Um, and I don't, I don't think they've been back to review those allegations yeah i've not i've not heard anything about it anyway no neither have i I'd done one of my uh, one of the assignment pieces for one of our classes last year actually i didn't publicize it but um i wrote about sturgeon and salmon basically the rift that's happened between them and what it means for sturgeon and she must really have her guard up now because if he is allowed back into the party or if this inquiry goes ahead if it's made public whatever happens i don't think she'll come out of it in a good light and yeah. with what's going on with COVID, because she hasn't handled that perfectly. Maybe better than some others, but that's not the point. Um, yeah. And with this new sort of just out of nowhere um, drug thing, uh, that's she's again, like we just said, she's going to deal with it, but she'd been dealt with a long time ago while she was in charge. So I think she really must be watching over her back, basically just making sure 
um, she's still on a job maybe come summer come next year yeah, yeah. because um, hashtag I saw... resign sturgeon sorry thomas oh no sorry yeah. go ahead i was just gonna say hashtag resign sturgeon was trending on twitter today so <laughs> there we go oh, yeah, so public that. approval yeah. is, is really going down and that and that's the bad thing because i i was looking at why that was trending and it wasn't to do with well it was kind of to do with covid but it wasn't to do with the salmon inquiry it was to do with the fact that she's had decorators in her um yeah ministerial house over yeah. I, i'm not sure i'm not sure how recently it was but it was after guidelines published by her government said that you couldn't do that and she had people in redecorating yeah they and said so it was essential didn't they like yeah. this meant a few years ago the queen was at buckingham palace or one of our sort of stay away homes um and that got a public furore, but maybe it'll just be like that, maybe it'll just sort of just fade away and it'll be forgotten about, but whereas these things, this is politics, and this really, this won't go away. Yeah, but surprisingly, I've not seen that many news outlets picking up on it, mm. and there are certain stories where I feel like I do sort of, I, I do agree with the rhetoric that the SNP get a bit of an easy run in a lot of the Scottish press and the fact that no one's really picking up on this story um, when you consider if it was you know Boris Johnson or Matt Hancock who'd had decorators in and you know labelled it as essential there would be a lot more there would be a lot more um, outrage about that yeah. yeah I'd have to agree with you but um, on the subject of the SNP sometimes getting a bit of a free ride in the Scottish press. I don't know if you guys remember, but there was quite a few Scottish papers that picked up on a story in late December that was given to them by Scotland's Health Minister, who said that they were aiming to vaccinate a million people in Scotland by the end of January, which is about a a fifth of the population. And obviously that's a that's a massive number to reach so soon, but they wouldn't they wouldn't be, you know, giving that number out unless they were sure they were capable of getting there. And I don't have an exact figure, but you know we are just o- just over a week to go till the end of January, and as far as I'm aware, they've not hit half a million. I think they would probably hit half a million by the end of January but again it's that it's that rhetoric of making these grand promises like life will be back to normal by spring or we'll have you all vaccinated by spring and not delivering on it and I don't know about you but I think that that's probably worse for people's mentality to be given these promises and then just have it stripped away and then you're told you know it's going to be 2022 when things go back to normal not spring this year and you know that has a that has a big impact on people's people's mental health i think absolutely i don't understand why they wouldn't push the date back as far as possible and then it'd be a nice surprise when it's done much earlier <laughs> and it's a massive success and they'd look good as well why would you make these bold claims and then knowing that let's be honest something's going to go wrong and something has gone wrong and you're going to miss that date by a big distance like you say it's maybe maybe we're halfway to their target by the end of january which isn't good enough quite frankly yeah and it was just it was unnecessary 
lying basically it wasn't yeah it wasn't a date that people were going to hold them to unless they said it if the Scottish <laughs> government had said we'll have vaccinated a fifth of the population by you know springtime uh-huh. that's probably much more realistic and that still would have been viewed as pretty good yeah exactly yeah. it's worrying that they're underperforming i think mm. yeah yeah well, and it's worrying that if they put 250 million in to tackle the, the drug crisis and, and we already know that they aren't meeting their their uh, conditions, then I, I don't see if, they, if they'll if they be able to, to battle it in the way that they want to. Yeah. It's also, it's not entirely down to the fault of the Scottish government because obviously the doses are allocated by the British government and so if they've not been given enough then, you know, there's nothing that they can really do about that. But at the same time, considering they hailed this vaccination process as, you know, it was going to be really speedy and, you know, they're going to have people working through the night, it's going to be 24-7, which they're still trying to reach. I don't think there are 24-7 vaccine stations yet. But it's, yeah, it's just, it's a... It's another letdown in a long yeah. line of <laughs> big yeah. letdowns since yeah. January last year. That's it. It's like it's Jessica alludes to as well. It sort of it just makes you think worse of them coming into the future, and you think, God, what damage are we going to do with a quarter of a billion pounds on drugs? It'll probably just go to waste. Mm. Yeah. Well, now it's time for our final story of the week. This isn't a story from this week, so I'm cheating a little bit, but it's still very relevant. Donald Trump had his social media profiles removed from platforms such as Twitter and Facebook after he was accused of inspiring the insurrection on Capitol Hill in which several people were killed. Mark Zuckerberg has since come under fire as far-right groups such as QAnon and Proud Boys have been able to operate on Facebook with minimal interference. And Facebook has very much become the platform of organising events like these among these far-right groups. So do you think that social media companies like Twitter and Facebook do enough to stop this from happening? Uh, Definitely not. Um, It can't be. I know there's probably millions and thousands every single day, like events being planned and stuff, let's just say on Facebook, where you can actually do that sort of thing. You can create an event um, or maybe they do it through Messenger. But let's be honest, it's just not good enough. Um, Not to jump the gun to another question you might ask, but that's the problem I have just with the, the suspension of Donald Trump as much as I agree with it. Um, he's inciting violence and trying to tear apart democracy but if you're not actually going to stop the people that are at the capital or are planning these events or just on any day-to-day basis causing havoc in the democracy of the United States then you can't just ban one person and not other influential people who are causing trouble as well so yeah I do think that Facebook, Twitter, whatever social media sites um, where these events are being planned and orchestrated out on um, they definitely need to step up and do more because if you stop that, then you stop these events even happening in the first place. It's again, it's kind of like the SNP just letting something happen and then trying to sort it out after. No, just sort it when the chaos is going on and when they're starting to cause trouble and then you won't have this issue. Yeah, and also the platform allows for uh, the spread of conspiracy theories and that was plain to see with Trump when he put out so many tweets about how the election had been stolen from him and Twitter again 
everybody could see that they weren't doing enough. They just put a little notice at the bottom saying that this claim hasn't been verified. But yeah. it just, it was just allowed to continue, and so it just got his supporters riled up. People are, you know, sharing these, you know, doctored videos, fake statistics, and on platforms like Twitter and Facebook, it can really spread like wildfire, even to people who wouldn't be interested in these far-right groups, but they're conditioned into thinking that they're right because of the spread of conspiracy theories. So, similar question about Facebook and Twitter doing enough to stop these events. Do you think they do enough to stop conspiracy theories being spread over the internet? Um, not not at all. I also think WhatsApp would be a good example of, of a social media yeah. app that yeah. spreads conser- conspiracies because there always seems to be um, like a chain message of, of doctored videos that being, are being sent around and, and I don't think anyone's monitoring that. So, um, yeah, I'd agree with, with what you said. And on the issue of Trump's suspension, do you guys think it was too little too late from Twitter and Facebook? Should he have should his accounts have been taken down before that? Yeah. Well, a million I do percent. wonder what the, if he had won the election, would they have done that? Um, yeah. Because he would have still been president of one of the most powerful countries in the world. Would they take away his Twitter? I'm I'm really not sure. No, I don't. I don't think they would have. As basically as we say, well, just like they only done it because he was on the way out. That's that's yeah. the only reason. Yeah. They, they didn't even do it when he still had a chance of this, like somehow turning over the ballots or whatever. They didn't do it then. They didn't do it before. They only done it once he knew he was on the way out, and he wouldn't be much of a problem anymore. They just didn't really have. I don't know. I guess you could call it the courage to do it while he was still president. Maybe there's <laughs> things that we just don't know that it'd be so tricky for them to do it. You can imagine the uproar of a sitting president not being able to have Twitter, not being able to have a, a way to broadcast his message to a nation other than through TV, even though that shouldn't be so ludicrous because everyone can see that as well. But um, yeah, way too little too late. And like Jess said, if he was, if he did win the election, there's no way he would be suspended permanently off Twitter or Facebook or the thousand other social media sites that jumped on the bandwagon yeah. to block him I think well. even mm. Pinterest at one point. Yes, Spotify and stuff. It was yeah. ridiculous was how many jumped on it, but... Yeah, it definitely. Um, there's no way it would be banned just now from any of those sites if he was still president. Yeah, it was definitely it was definitely his status that allowed him to keep his account for so long. Um, yeah. You know, to do with the fact that he was still a sitting president, he was the most powerful person in the world, and I think it's fair enough that no company wants to get on the bad side of the most powerful man in the world. But it was also the fact that Twitter, especially, must have had a pretty big stake in Trump considering he had more than 80 million followers on the platform so he did a lot for um, for traffic yeah, that's on it. their mm-hmm. on their site so I, I understand the reluctancy to remove him but at the same time you know they've got that they've got that moral obligation that you've got this guy who's got a tremendous amount of reach who yeah. is just saying what he wants when he wants absolutely zero facts and evidence and even now that he's well I was going to say conceded he hasn't conceded but now that he's gone these um, conspiracy theories are still doing damage I still see things online about how this isn't 
a legitimate president. I've seen, I've actually seen people I know say that this isn't a legitimate president. Um, so there's a lot, there's a lot of issues that Trump's created, and even though he has been, you know, permanently taken down now, I think I think it's safe to say that there is going to be a lot of um, long-standing damage due to the things that he said. Yeah, hundred percent. It was all because the companies just like I said, didn't have really the courage to do it, like you mentioned there, because of the traffic and stuff that he would bring in, um, there's no way they were going to let him go. Basically, every reason for them not to do it, I understand, but they should have just, by doing the right thing, they, they must have known that the right thing would be to stop his lies and his conspiracy theories, because these won't go away. Like you say, they're still ongoing. People still actually think that this the current president shouldn't be in the seat, and these theories will not go away. Trump will still somehow get his message across and that will be filtered down through all these other accounts that have a huge following and yeah. it just won't go away. And it's all because yeah. they didn't sort it quick enough. Mm. I think also um, thinking about other accounts, and this could be you know very right-wing or left-wing accounts that are verified and have a, lot, a big following, um, they can be just as damaging as, as Trump was with his account just with people blindly following them and and seeing i I think also if you see a tweet that is doing very well has lots of likes and you know lots of retweets you just assume it's fact and it's not and there's a lot of times you have to go and and double check your information so i think that's also quite a dangerous um thing on social media yeah well on the um on the subject of conspiracy theories have you guys seen any um, particularly loony theories on your social media feeds recently? Um, I saw one earlier that was, I, I don't know what website it was on, it was maybe just on a forum actually, it might not have been on one of the big sort of Twitter or Facebooks, but it was the idea that Trump hadn't passed it over to Biden, the presidency, but instead he'd passed it on to the military, and that the military were secretly staging like a coup from the inside, and oh, wow. they were going to assume power. Like some like just not to be offensive, like some sort of third world country that's having a revolution. Um, it was one of the most just barbaric things. Imagine it's all typed out in capital letters as well, of course, oh, yeah. uh, shouting through mm-hmm. the computer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, apparently, apparently next month we might see the military take over from the inside. So watch out for that one, guys. That's that sounds to twenty twenty rather than what would happen this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I saw I saw one that got posted on a forum that is just. The, the height of, of lunacy and it was to do with you know the deep state and stuff like that uh-huh. but they were saying that um, basically that those in power, those who run the country, they know that um, that the election was a fraud but um, they conducted this whole thing it, it was something like it was genuinely, genuinely face swapping between Biden and Trump and they said (laughs) they said that um, Biden the real Joe Biden had been done up to look like Trump and when Trump goes to prison it'll be Biden going to prison for his political crimes and Trump will be dressed as Biden and run the country as the legitimate leader and they said um, so Joe Biden has a stutter uh-huh. And they said, whenever you see him stutter, that's because it's Trump trying to get the like the cadence of his voice right. 
my and wow. it's just one of those things where you read it and you think surely not even you think you're making sense here or that yeah. this is even remotely these, plausible these <laughs> no, where do these come from That's it. that one just doesn't make sense to me mm. the yeah. covid vaccine's a big one as well a lot of conspiracy theories about the covid vaccine yeah um is Bill another Gates one microchip that you're getting you microchipped yeah in yeah. a in a liquid form i guess <laughs> yeah a clear liquid that you can see gets injected it's definitely a microchip Oh, um, goodness. But I, I was going to say on that is that um, as journalists and and holding free speech to its like highest count, because um, I was talking to a course mate, one of our course mates about this and whether um, we should be reporting on these conspiracy theories and anti-vaxxers and, um, and basically whether it's dangerous to spread this information. Yeah. Um, which I think is quite interesting, and, and you can relate it to banning Trump, I think. Yeah. Because yeah. there's a lot of them where it's sort of quite easy to eliminate the logic from it. I mean, with the COVID vaccine, people saying it's got a microchip in it so that they can track you, and, you know, they don't want, they don't want to be tracked. Uh, but they're tweeting this from their mobile phone, <laughs> which yeah. does yeah. which does track you. Um, exactly that's one of the defining features as soon as you log in it says um, enable location services and you just blindly click yes yeah (laughs) that's barbaric your phone your phone gets all your details from you already Mm. anybody who wants to know about you can find out anything they want about you so uh, if you if you have a phone there's someone that knows more about you than you know about yourself like it's that simple unless you're living in the woods and you're living on I don't know, just foliage, and you do not have a phone, you have no right to be making up these sort of conspiracy theories. Yeah. That's the way I see it. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're going to see if these conspiracy theories die with Trump's social media. Hilarious if they're true, and we look like right idiots. Yeah. That'd be brilliant. <laughs> oh, but, um, can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, we'll see, we'll see how many more conspiracy theories come out in the coming weeks, and um, how crazy they are, but I'm afraid that's all the time we've got for this week. But uh, Cameron, Jess, massive thanks for coming on. I hope hope you've enjoyed yourselves. Absolutely. Yes, we have. Thanks Absolutely. for having us. And I hope you have all enjoyed listening and make sure to join us next week. Take care.